الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا إن النفس لأمارة بالسوء وخلق الإنسان عجولا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله القاهر فوق عباده الذي أحاط بكل شيء علما لا تخفى عليه خافية يعلم السر وأخفى وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters, committed Muslims, there's a couple of ayat in Allah's guiding book that I want to be the spotlight of this khutbah. The first one says, أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون ولقد فتن الذين من قبلهم فليعلمن الله الذين صدقوا وليعلمن الكاذبين The other ayah and I will translate the general meanings of both of these ayahs following this one وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِيْنَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ Both of these ayat deliver the meaning that the guidance that we seek from Allah can come only through the effort that we expend for Allah. No person can expect guidance from Allah if they are either indifferent to Allah and His Prophet. I mean, they could be practicing Muslims in the sense that they are doing their personal responsibilities. Like they may be fasting or they may be praying and they may be doing these personal issues. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to understand that we, if we are not involved in some type of effort, this effort may demand some sweat, 
it may demand some patience it may demand some tears and it eventually may demand some blood but this is the type of effort that begets guidance and you can take Allah's Prophet may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his as a reference point did Allah's prophets receive revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and open up a school or a teaching center or a university or a seminary and then begin to teach individuals how to be good Muslims and then after they graduate from the courses of Islam after they understand the Quran then after that let them go into society and begin to change society was that how it was done ask yourself or what was done was the instructions were revealed from Allah pertaining to the real issues of life and the Muslims were tasked they were they were held responsible the first one being Allah's beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam and then the rest of the Muslims were involved in this lifelong struggle and notice with me there was no cutoff age no what none of these individuals that we know said that well right now I'm 60 years old or 70 years old ah well I did what I could do and now I'm going to take it easy this this doesn't exist in the way Allah's Prophet taught us to understand the information coming to us from Allah Jalla wa'ala. So if we can understand Islam like this, let us speak about just, and we have to make, it's very cold out here for those who are listening in other places of the world. Let's, let's take three stops. We're going to make three brief stations, approach three brief occasions, and comment on this the effort that is needed the endeavor that is required the first one is today marks 55 years since the assassination or a shahada of al-haj malik al-shabaz on this day 55 years ago in new york city he was gunned down he was probably the best exemplification of understanding what these ayat that the ones that I cited at the beginning a few minutes ago what these ayat mean وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا and those who 
make an effort those who endeavor those who struggle for us for Allah Jalla Jalalu indeed emphatically we will show them our ways you can't make an effort for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you don't get tired you don't tax your body or you don't tax your spirit some effort requires patience some effort requires you to to flex your muscles and everything in between what is in your nervous system and what is in your muscular system everything in between requires this effort and he was that maybe we can we maybe we can summarize because of the time issue we can summarize his life and his struggle and the honor that he received at the end we can summarize them maybe in two sentences <coughs> the first one is you know there, a lot of times when Malcolm Al Haj Malik Shabazz is mentioned a lot of times they mention Martin Luther King. It's almost, you know, and then there's preferences. Who who was more sacrificing for their principles and all of this. Now we can we can summarize this comparison in two were in two sentences. Martin Luther King spoke about truth and power Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz spoke truth to power it's a major difference there and then uh, a, a statement attributed to Al-Marhum Malik Shabazz that statement is it's better for a person to walk alone than to walk with multitudes of people who are going in the wrong direction. This, these two sentences or these two citations sum up how a committed Muslims should be. The other issue that falls under the rubric of do people think that they are going to be left alone and be satisfied with verbalizing words of iman and they're not going to be subjected to trials and tribulations you think this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to interact with you oh yeah it's enough for you to say I'm a Muslim and I pray and I fast and I do a couple of other things and so I'm going to Al-Jannah I'm going to paradise no you're going to be tested if you live up 
to your stated iman. There's no, there's no dodging this issue. وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ We have, we have tested those before them. Before us, there were individuals and there were societies who are put to Allah's test. The test that requires your effort, your exertion in life, not daydreaming, not theorizing, real life. وَلَقَدْ فَتَنَّ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا Allah indeed is going to know and verify those who are true to their commitment. فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ الْكَاذِبِينَ And Allah indeed is going to verify those who were not true to their commitment. So in this second, in this second citation of the meanings of these ayat, we take today is an election day in the Islamic Republic of Iran. And because it is an election day for their majlis, meaning their parliament, it is probably going to determine much of what will develop or unfold in the coming four years. Now, before I go on very briefly, and I say I have to be brief because of the weather, some Muslims who have been brainwashed by establishmentarian powers say, why do you speak like this in your khutbahs? Why do you evoke such citations and refer to such incidents and developments? These don't belong in the khutbah. Their response to that, they absolutely belong not in a khutbah, in the core of the khutbah, in the heart of the khutbah. Some people who object to this, ask them, whenever you encounter them, ask them, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, why does he speak about people who have money? That doesn't sound religious. So Allah, according to the way they understand Islam, Allah is not religious. Allah didn't intend for people to be religious when he speaks about إِنَّ قَارُونَ كَانَ مِنْ قَوْمِ مُوسَى فَبَغَى عَلَيْهِمْ Qarun belonged to the people of Musa and he aggressed against them. وَآتَيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْكُنُوزِ مَا إِنَّ مَفَاتِحَهُ لَتَنُوءُ بِالْعُصْبَةِ أُولِي الْقُوَّةِ And we gave him of the treasuries and the wealth and the budgets untold. I mean powers the powers of that day could not or would be pressed to load and unload the type of wealth this person had why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to us about a very rich man 
because he wants this to enter into the way we understand ourselves and the world around us and these short surahs because many of us may not be very versed with the longer surahs the short surahs that you have memorized that speak about this issue of wealth and rich individuals affluent influential tycoons businessmen entrepreneurs all of this should be within our islamic vocabulary what are who are you 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 are reducing yourself when you take this necessary component out of understanding what allah is telling you you've automatically marginalized yourself you have been distracted by your habit of trying to accumulate more and more that's one وَيْلٌ لِكُلِّهُ مَزَةٍ لُمَزَةٍ الَّذِي جَمَعَ مَالًا وَعَدَّدَةٍ See? Allah is speaking about these individuals who not only have the power in the media to change the imagery of people الْهَمْزْ وَالْلَمْزْ But Allah also describes them الَّذِي جَمَعَ مَالًا وَعَدَّدَةٍ Such a person who accumulates wealth and counts how much do I have at the end of the day at the end of the month when my bank statement comes in when I look at my investments this is part of who we are our understanding of Allah's words is supposed to penetrate the facts of life we're not living in some daydream world Have you considered he who is conflicting with a deen? All of this goes comes and deals with people who have and don't want to give wretched are the hands of Abu Lahab whatever wealth he has is not going to go do him any good and the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not giving us some stories to sleep by so with this type of maybe uh, excursion we come back to the point today is an election day Friday today in the Islamic Republic of Iran and f- some people are confused whether they come from Iran or they are from outside of Iran they're just confused there's so much misinformation and disinformation and malinformation there's so much of this all around the place that it's hard to get a very clear image of what is happening over there what is happening is very simple 
a people a people have an Islamic leadership unlike other peoples in the world unfortunately this is not easy to say brothers and sisters I'm not saying this comfortably other Muslims and non-Muslims around the world they don't have a leadership that represents them even here in the United States where there's supposed to be civilized democracy you can hear voices independent voices analysts commentators who are not bought and sold saying that there's not really any representation take the last election I have to go very far away the person occupying the White House right now did not receive the overwhelming majority of votes yet he became the president and they want to skim over this and not have us realize what is happening in the real world this is this is this is true we're not making things up here but over there in the Islamic land of Iran there is an election and this election they're trying to undermine it the enemies of it are trying to undermine it from within the country and from outside of it they're, they're giving it all they have why because it is there's one there's really it all boils down to one issue that upsets these common enemies that issue is the liberation of the holy land if that leadership in the islamic republic did not have a maintained and sustained strategy to liberate al-quds and colonized palestine it would not have been presented the way it is whatever media source you go to whether it's the press whether it's radio and TV whether it is social media most of these mouthpieces all around they misfigure and disfigure what is happening there and we don't know the results it will probably in the coming 24 hours have a much better understanding of the new parliament that will decide uh, future policies concerning this strategy that has been pursued in the past 41 years and then finally we have we here this is going to be in a couple of weeks we're going to begin 38 years of praying here on the sidewalk in Washington DC 38 years وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ What is all, why are we praying here in the street? What's all of this about? And the answer is simple. We get this question. Some people ask who, this is a very transient city. A lot of individuals come here for a few weeks or months or years and then they leave and they see this we're praying what's all of this it's very simple 
We here, outside, for the past almost going on our 38th year, we've been outside because they don't let us go inside the masjid. It take a genius to figure that out. If they let us inside the masjid, we go inside the masjid. Finished. But they don't want contact. The issue is not us going in the masjid, etc. The issue is us meeting other Muslims and other Muslims meeting us. They don't want that to happen. So we are left here. What type of democracy, what type of electoral system? If they just have an election inside the masjid, and if they elect king so-and-so, or the proxy of king so-and-so, to be the imam in the masjid, alhamdulillah, that's what the Muslims want. No objection to that, if that's what the Muslims want. And then we can begin, if that's what happens, then we can begin to educate ourselves as to whether we made the right decisions of having a tool on the minbar on Friday, or having an independent voice, a clear conscience, and a thinking mind on the minbar on Fridays. What do you want? Let us decide for ourselves. We are not permitted to decide for ourselves. What do you say about a country here in the United States? A couple of Muslim individuals get elected to Congress. But no Muslim individual can be elected to a masjid. What do you say about that? Look at the way the masajid are run in this country. Islamic centers, it's Islamic organizations. How are they run? Open your minds. That's what is required of us. And not only just understand this in the academic sense. No. After we understand, we, we follow that by the necessary action that goes with that understanding. اتقوا فراسة المؤمن فإنه ينظر بنور الله أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولي النهى والتقى My dear committed brothers and sisters on الصراط المستقيم on our way to Allah سبحانه وتعالى We've said many times that we don't have, we the Muslims in the world, we don't have self-determination. That's the simplest way of reducing all the problems that we have to a bottom line. We don't have self-determination. And what is required of us is to regain that self-determination. And if we can't look at our internal selves, the world is full of problems. 
And part of the problems in this world is our internal selves. We have to take a look at our internal selves. Let's be charity begins at home. Let's begin by solving our indigenous issues. And we've been taking a look and we will continue to do so as long as Allah gives us life. We will begin we, we continue to look at those who are misrepresenting us in as far as Mecca and Al Medina are concerned. We don't care about Adaraya, we don't care about Najd, we don't care about Arub al Khali. We care about Mecca and Al Medina first and foremost. What are you doing to that land that's supposed to be a springboard for our intentions and determination? What are you doing with it? This is what we want to know, and this is what should become public information. In the recent few weeks, there's been something like a stampede of Israelis who want to go to Saudi Arabia. Because something was worked out between the colonizers in Palestine and the colonizers in Arabia. Something was worked out that they can obtain visas, the Israelis can obtain visas Saudi visas on Israeli passports and go but the you see this is how they work they work this thing incrementally they gave them nine days they say you can go as tourists as entrepreneurs businessmen whatever you stay nine days and you return this is what they tell us this is what the, the news items put out there and so they're beginning to go this is a beginning. What do they want to do? Follow up with this? And next thing we'll know, a few years down the road, and some of these Zionist Israelis will come and say, we had a presence in Khaybar. We want to return to Khaybar. What, what are the Saudis going to do? Their survival depends on the Zionists and imperialists. Are going to say, no, you can't come to Khaybar? This is the this is the direction we're going in. And then after Khaybar, they'll say, oh, but we also lived in Al-Medina. Banu Yath, Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Nadir, Banu Quraidha. These were the three tribes or factions of the Zionist Yahudis at that time. Come, okay, come. We'll settle, settle you here. You can live here. You can come here. Right now they're giving them nine days. Then they'll expand that to some months. Then years. And then permanent residency. And eventually they'll probably become Saudi citizens. And with the money and with the wherewithal that they have, they'll wreak havoc. Forget about Mecca and Al Medina. This is how it all begins. And we made room for it because we didn't want to speak about it in our masajid, from our manabir. No one speaks about. No one's supposed to speak about this. No, we're going to speak about it, even if it's going to it's going to be in the street as it is here. And then, in the past 
week, the Saudi regime began to raise the price of oil, gasoline at the gas pump. That's the land of gasoline and petroleum. Well, they're raising the prices. The prices in the world are going down, but the prices in that defeated kingdom are going up. What does this tell you? Are we supposed to have thinking minds or not? And then the foreign minister of that decrepit kingdom is appealing to Germany to lift the ban on arms because of the war that this regime has been pursuing almost for five years now in Yemen. Germany said, we're not going to, send, we're not going to sell you any more weapons. And so... Now he's saying, oh, please, you know, we need defense. Iran here is our enemy is threatening us and all of this. We're not going to use these weapons against the Israelis. We're going to use them against the enemy of all of us. Sell us, please sell us these weapons. Of course, he doesn't say it like this. There's diplomatic language, but that's what he means. And then the same foreign minister says there should be direct talks between the Israelis and the Palestinians as if there haven't been talks haven't we heard of Camp David haven't we heard of Oslo haven't we heard of bilateral meetings and sessions and diplomacy and all of these years what are you talking about but this is what happens when they take away this information from your heads Especially when you enter a masjid. Oh, they don't want anyone to have these t- this type of information circulating in their minds. And then the previous Saudi ambassador here in Washington, Khalid ibn Salman, who left his ambassadorship because of the crime of killing, Al-Khash- killing Khashoggi in Turkey, he left. And he became, what is he, Minister of Defense or Deputy Minister of Defense or whatever it is. He's saying, now he's saying, remember in 2005 the the Prime Minister of Lebanon, Rafiq al-Hariri, was assassinated. Now he's saying it was the treasonous Iranian thugs and people related to them who assassinated him as if he's coming out and telling us something that we don't expect him to say ah, you're going to say that you're going to say you're going to throw out many other innuendo accusations and claims none of them have any basis to them saudi arabia the war criminal regime of saudi arabia bombs yemen United Nations said 35 people were killed. This is in the past week. 35 people were killed, most of them children. In today's news, there were ballistic missiles fired from Yemen into Saudi Arabia. For your information, there are ministers of finance meeting in Riyadh from the G20 countries And as they are meeting, these ballistic missiles have targeted Aramco, 
By the way, this news does not come from Yemen. It comes from other, either neutral sources or foreign sources. Today, at noontime, in Al-Madinah, Madinah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there was an exchange of fire. Three, this is their, their news. This news comes from the Saudi uh, uh, officials. Three policemen were injured. One civilian was run over and killed. And another civilian was injured. And this person ran, the person who shot at the policeman, ran to his apartment or drove to his apartment. And the last news said there's some exchange going on between both sides. In this past week, images are emerging from Saudi Arabia of Saudi women publicly smoking. You might, some of you might not know, but in the strict Wahhabi understanding of Islam, smoking is almost equivalent to drinking alcohol. It's not exactly that, but some of them make it to be almost at that level. Imagine from several years ago the taboo of smoking and now you have women, not men, women in public puffing cigarettes, maybe cigars, maybe pipes. Who knows what what else we have coming down the pipe. And then the Secretary of State here goes to Saudi Arabia and he wants to assure them that we are with you don't fear we will protect you from Iran look the number one enemy now of the Saudis has become Iran Israel is no longer on their radar who cares Israel we're friends now there's visas there's tourism there's secret meetings and exchanges Netanyahu the war criminal who is the Prime Minister of Zionist Israel he's been bragging in these days and weeks past, he's been bragging about the fraternal diplomacy that is going on between his staff or his government, his regime, and many other governments in the Arab countries and in Muslim countries. For the first time, we had an Israeli plane flying in the airspace of Sudan this week flying in the airspace of Sudan and Saudi Arabia according to some reports this normalization is going on and they want they, they want you to come to the masjid go to sleep none of this is happening then you come out of the masjid go into real life they want to kill you The fighters in Yemen, the freedom fighters in Yemen, they brought down, a, they, they shot at and brought down a, a Saudi fighter plane. As all of this is happening, the Saudis are cozy with Saudis are very cozy with them, buddy buddies. Netanyahu, the war criminal there, decides to build 
1,900 living units. Now that could mean apartment, it could mean a house, it could mean a townhouse, whatever it is. 1,900 of them in eastern Jerusalem. That's not to speak about expanding their colonies in the West Bank. These are not settlements, these are colonies. The Zionists want to expand their colonies in the West Bank. While all of this is going on, Egypt has a debt of $250 billion. Jordan has a debt of $42 billion. The Palestinian has a debt of five, Palestinian Authority has a debt of $5 billion. Lebanon, we don't know whether it's going to survive because of the debt crisis it is in. All of these issues that have to do with wealth and power, they don't, they don't concern us. While Egypt in this is in the state of, of the debt that it is in, they are trying to provoke Ethiopia, because Ethiopia is the source of the Nile River, they're trying to provoke policies from Ethiopia that will strangulate the lifeline of the Egyptians, which is the Nile River. And they want Egypt to get involved in a war in Libya. As all of this is going on, look at those who are the type of Islamic spokespersons in Egypt. What did we have in the past couple of days? We had an Azhari, a graduate from the Azhar say that divorces that take place in, in Egypt are not Shara'i divorces. They're not divorces. Okay, ask him, why? Why do you say that? He says, because the Egyptians, when they say talaq, or talaktuki, they say talaq or talaktuki. And so they didn't pronounce the qaf, and so the word wasn't pronounced correctly, so there's no divorce. Look what's happening. The forces on the outside from southern Egypt to the west of Egypt, to the north of Egypt, all over the place, what they are doing, and look at what, what an Islamic scholar is saying. Where's he living? You ask yourself, when all of this is happening, where do you live? Where are you? Are you in the real world? And then in Morocco, last Jumu'ah, in the city of Wujda, that's a city that's known for it has a, a, a Sufi uh, flavor to it. In one of the masjids in that in that city, the Imam spoke from the minbar. He spoke about the importance of Al-Quds. He spoke about the importance of Al-Masjid Al-Haram, Al-Masjid Al-Nabawi, and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And after he spoke about the importance of all of this, he added just a sentence about the danger of what is called the deal of the century, which means that the Palestinians 
and the Arabs and the Muslims have to surrender to the Zionists. He didn't say this. He just said, the deal of the century is a threat to Al-Quds and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. What happened after that? He was relieved of his duties. You can no longer ascend the minbar and give a khutbah. This is the real world we are living in. And we ask Allah that our efforts for Allah will liberate us from the lethargy and the isolationism and the inactivity of those who should know better. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt wa'afina fi man afayt وَتَوَلَّنَا فِي مَنْ تَوَلَّيْتِ وَبَارِكْ لَنَا فِي مَا أَعْطَيْتِ وَقِنَا شَرَّ مَا قَضَيْتِ فَإِنَّكَ تَقْضِي وَلَا يُقْضَى عَلَيْكِ وَإِنَّهُ لَا يَذِلُّ مَنْ وَالَيْتِ وَلَا يَعِزُّ مَنْ عَادَيْتِ تَبَارَكْتَ رَبَّنَا وَتَعَالَيْتِ فَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ عَلَى مَا قَضَيْتِ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكِ وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون وأقم الصلاة Allahu Akbar.